UFC 285 goes down this Saturday night, and it's a great card. In the early prelims, you got four undefeated fighters on display. In the prelims, you got guys like Derek Brunson versus Strikers Duplessis, as well as Cody Garbrandt on the undercard. Then when you get to the main card, it gets even better. Shavkat, Rachmanov, Matush, Gamrot, Jalen, Turner, Valentina, Shevchenko, Shavkat, Rachmanov, Jeff Neal, John Jones, Cyril Gan. Some great fighters in the main card. And guess what? We got all those predictions for you coming up. Make sure to follow us at youtube.com backslash the community MMA. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from an undisclosed location. This is the community MMA with your host, Chris Cross. division at UFC 285. Kicking things off here, you got Esteban Arebovitz, a guy who a lot of people are following, a lot of hype around this guy. He's perfect at 11-0, and he has a new opponent in Loic Radzibov, who comes in at 16-4-1. Now, Arebovitz is two inches taller at 5'10". He's got a one-inch reach advantage. We don't know much about Radzibov. We'll get into him more in a minute, but Arebovitz stands right-handed. In his one UFC uh, statistical fight, he landed about 8.7 significant strikes per minute. But that should be taken with a grain of salt because we don't have a lot of stats over a period of time. He did beat Thomas Paul at Dana White's Contender Series by first round KO. So we only have about 90 seconds of fight time uh, with stats for this guy. Now, Radzibov, a.k.a. Jaguar Paul, again, 16-4. and four. He's got seven KOs, five submissions, but he's 4-4. Four and four indecision fight so he either gets to finish or he's got a good chance uh, to lose this fight and the question is you know if you have all these losses against non-UFC fighters how good are you like he lost to Raush uh, Manfio by unanimous decision at PFL 2021 championships he lost to Alex Martinez Nathan Schulte and none of these guys are even close to Esteban Rebovich but they're given uh you know, the odds are in his favor to win this fight, but I just don't see it. I don't see how they have Ratsabov as a two to one favorite. I like Esteban Rebovich uh, to continue winning and remain undefeated. I mean, he's got a lot of hype around his name for a reason, but all of a sudden he finds himself as a more than two to one underdog. But this is a surprise pick for me because I like Rebovich to come in and get the job done. I mean, Ratsabov has lost a, <clears throat> he's got experience, but he's lost to four fighters not in the UFC. So Rebovich wins this fight. I think the odds makers are wrong here. He'll likely win by finish to move to 12-0 here in the lightweight division at UFC 285. In the bantamweight division at UFC 285, you got the mom Blackshear taking on Fareed Basharat, who's undefeated. I mean, another undefeated fighter on this card, and this will continue early in the early prelims where you got four undefeated fighters, but Basharat 9-0, but he's two inches taller. Then Blackshear at 5'8". He's given up three inches in reach. Both guys, well actually Basharat stands right-handed and Blackshear is a switch stance fighter. So we'll see how he matches up. But Basharat 7.7 7 
significant strikes per minute compared to 1.8 for Blackshear. So a big advantage there. So you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe Blackshear uh, has a takedown advantage. But no, Basharat 3 uh, over the course of three rounds. And it's like once uh, or one takedown every round where Blackshear is going to get like a takedown once every three rounds. So a big difference there. When you get into takedown defense, Blackshear just won UFC fight. He was taken down once on one attempt. So it's 0% right now as far as defending him. He lost the use of Salah by majority decision. But the fact that he got to a majority decision uh, isn't bad. But he didn't perform well in terms of significant strikes, just 27 in that fight. Now, on the other hand, Basharat won at Dana White's contender series. And sometimes these guys get a softball in the first, you know, an easy win, hopefully in their first fight after the contender series, but not Basharat. I mean, Blackshear is a, a well-established fighter. It's not like he's great or anything, but he's not uh, terrible. He's somewhere in the middle and could potentially become a, a great fighter as time goes on. I mean, he didn't perform that bad against uh, uh, Yusuf Salah, but he just didn't do great in significant strikes. So Basharat is going to be tested in this fight, but I still think he wins... You know, I think the first round is going to be tough, but he'll start to come on in rounds two and round three. Might even get a unanimous decision, uh, but it would be interesting to see this play out. I just think he's going to remain undefeated. I mean, he's, he's better, but it's it's going to be a little test in his first uh, UFC fight or UFC debut. But look for Basharat to win on significant strikes and takedowns if necessary to move to 10-0. and 0, Bantamweight division, UFC 285. In the women's strawweight division at UFC 285, you got Jessica Panay taking on Tabitha Ricci. Now, Panay, 14 and 7, so a lot of losses there. Ricci, 7 and 1. Uh, the Brazilian, now she's got less fights, so she's got less losses. We'll see how things transpire uh, as she gets more fights. And she's four inches shorter than Panay at 5 1. Gives up six inches in reach. Both of them are going to stand right handed. Both of them are in the high twos for significant strikes per minute. So they're both right near three uh, significant strikes per minute. Takedown game goes to Tabitha Ricci. Four takedowns over three rounds on average. Panay just gets one like every other round. So a nice advantage there for Tabitha Ricci. But, you know, what becomes important uh, is takedown defense in these situations. Panay, 40% takedown defense. That's going to be a problem. Uh, Tabitha Ricci has not had to really defend takedown. She got taken down by Manny Fiora, who turned out to be a great fighter and lost that fight. But she beat Maria Oliveira by decision and uh, Pollyanna Viana by decision. Now, she trailed by significant strikes in both of those fights, but she had five takedowns apiece in each one, 10 takedowns in the last two fights. That's all I need to see uh, to believe Tabitha Ricci is going to win this fight. If she's getting five takedowns per fight and Panay's got a 40% takedown defense, this thing is a wrap. Tabitha Ricci wins, in my opinion, controls the fight to move to 8-1, and one, women's strawweight division, UFC 285. In the bantamweight division at UFC 285, you got Mana Martinez coming at 10-3, taking on another undefeated fighter in Cameron Simon. He's 7-0. and oh. Now, Martinez, 2 inches taller, 5-10, 3-inch reach advantage. He fights right-handed. Simon fights left-handed. Now, in terms of activity, both guys over four significant strikes per minute. Martinez, 4.4. Simon, 4.1. So, the striking game is going to be somewhat close. Takedown game, also in favor of Martinez. But both guys land less than one takedown over the course uh, of an average fight of three rounds. So, 
Don't expect many takedowns in this one. Maybe one or two, you would think, at least on paper. Now, Mano Martinez, 27% takedown defense. So that could change things. That means he's stopping only one out of four. He's given up three out of four takedowns or takedown attempts. Now, he's got the win over Brandon Davis. Split decision, so a little momentum coming in. That was a good fight. Lost to Ronnie Lawrence and beat Guido Canetti. So, but both wins are by a split decision. Cameron Simon, on the other hand, uh, hasn't lost yet in a UFC setting now. Beating Joshua Wayne Kim at Dana White's Contender Series. I remember that fight. That was a good one. Ended up being a third-round finish. He also beat Steven Coslow by third-round KO. But Coslow did have five takedowns uh, during the fight. Nonetheless, Simon uh, recovered multiple times and led 53 to 11 in significant strikes. So this will be a bigger test for Simon, but I expect him to pass it. Expect him to get the win here. I mean, he's down in the numbers, and you know how I am with the numbers. And with a, a newer fighter taking on more of, of a veteran. But Martinez isn't so much of a veteran. He's got three or four UFC fights. Simon's got enough and has shown that he can win. So I'm sticking with him, uh, in my opinion, to win this fight. To move to 8 0 here in the Bantamweight division at UFC 285. In the welterweight division at UFC at 285, we got a big one. Ian Garrett comes in at 10 0, taking on Song King, who comes in at 16 and six now gary three inches taller is six three he's got a three inch reach advantage both guys stand right-handed now both guys have a lot of activity gary six significant strikes per minute 4.4 for song keenan the takedown game is really non-existent for the most part for both fighters ian gary aka the future uh, stops three out of four takedowns 75 percent takedown defense three and oh in the ufc beating gabe green darian weeks and jordan Williams. So he's looking good so far. And he's outstruck his opponent in each of those except against Jordan Williams, but that led to an early KO. Now Song Keenan, 50% takedown defense. So will Gary choose to go in for some takedowns? We'll see. He lost his last fight to Max Griffin, but he did beat Kalen Potter and Derek Krantz. So it's very easy for me to see why Gary is a big favorite in this fight. Song Keenan doesn't have great numbers. But he does find ways to win on occasion. But Ian Garrish is better. I mean, when you're landing like six significant strikes per minute, you got a reach advantage, a height advantage. This should be an easy night uh, for Ian Garrett. Maybe not during the fight, but I see him getting the finish at some point in time. He's got to. Big crowd here at UFC 285. Look for Ian Garrett to get a big finish and remain undefeated with the striking power. He'll move to 11-0 here in the welterweight division. At UFC 285. In the middleweight division at UFC 285, you got Julian Marquez coming in at 9 and 3, taking on Mark Andre Berriol, the Canadian, who comes in at 14 and 6 and is a slight favorite to win. Marquez, one inch taller at 6'2. But Berriol's got a two inch reach advantage, 74 to 72. Both guys fight right handed. Now, Berriol uh, is more active, landing about 5.2 significant strikes per minute compared to about 4.2 per minute for Marquez. Over the fight, that's about 15 significant strikes more on average for Burial. Now, the takedown game is non-existent among both fighters, which is good news for us because it's going to be a stand-up strike and affair. When you look at Julian Marquez, he lost to Robocop, Gregory Rodriguez, in his last fight by first-round KO. Before that, he submitted uh, Sam Alvey and Mackie Patolo. So he still won two of the last three, but lost the last fight. Now, 
Burial lost Anthony Hernandez uh, back in September by arm triangle submission. He did beat Jordan Wright by guillotine submission. So he's one and one, or really one and two in his last three, losing to Chitty and Joe Kuwani. So this should be an interesting fight. I mean, I think both guys have a good chance to win, but I like Burial simply because of the activity and the takedown game. Uh, shouldn't be an effect in this fight. So when you just look at activity, Barriott is more active. He's more likely to win two rounds out of three, barring any type of KO or finish. I think if this thing goes to a decision, Barriott's got a good chance of victory. Therefore, I'm predicting him to win, likely by 10 or 15 significant strikes, but it comes down to the third round, and Barriott's got to be explosive. I think he gets the job done and wins by decision. Outstriking Julian Marquez, it's real simple. To move to 15 and 6, middleweight division, UFC 285. In the women's flyweight division at UFC 285, you got two evenly matched fighters in Vivian Araujo and Amanda Rebus. Araujo, 11 and 4. Rebus, 10 and 3. And this is a coin flip toss-up in terms of the odds. Araujo, 1 inch taller. She's got a 2 inch reach advantage, 68-66. They both fight right-handed. Now here's where things get close. Both the Rojo and Rebus are right at about four and a half, maybe 4.6 significant strikes per minute. So they're kind of evenly matched there. Takedown average, they both get just over two takedowns over the course of three rounds. And then when you dig a little bit deeper, Vivian Rojo, 90% takedown defense. Amanda Rebus, 88% takedown defense. So in each category, they're pretty much uh, even. Now, uh, in Vivian Araujo's last fight, she lost to Alexa Grasso, who's fighting for the women's flyweight title against Valentina Shevchenko. But before that, she beat Andrea Lee, lost to Kaylin Chukagin, and beat Roxanne Modafari and Montana De La Rosa. So nothing sticks out as a huge win. She had two big opportunities uh, against Chukagin and, and Grasso, but couldn't get the job done. Now, Rebus is in a similar Situation. She also lost to Caitlin Chukagian, but she had three takedowns. Not uh, quite as much activity as Araujo, but at the same time, she still lost a fight, but this one was by split decision. She also beat Verna Jandaroba and lost to Marina Rodriguez. Earlier in the career, she beat Paige Van Zandt. She should win that one, Ronda Marcos. And she got Mackenzie Dern at the exact right time and beat her. Now it might be a different situation. So two evenly matched fighters. When you have this situation, they're both from Brazil. You look at the numbers, it's very, very even, very close. You just got to go with your gut. My gut tells me that Amanda Rebus is going to come in and get the job done. She can stand and strike with Araujo. We've seen in other fights like against Trigagian. She did lose by split decision, but she can land takedowns. Now Araujo has great takedown defense, so that could be a problem really for both fighters. And it's going to be a nice stylistic matchup to see who can get takedowns, who can stand on the feet and strike better. You know, this will come down to the third round, and whoever wins that round wins the fight. But I'm rocking with Amanda Rebus in this one uh, to get the job done late in the third. Look for a big takedown, some ground and pound. I don't think there'll be a submission in this fight, but you never know. But I like Rebus to win, to move to 11-3 and three here in the women's flyweight division at UFC 285. In the middleweight division at UFC Fight Night, you got a pair of top 10 contenders in Derek Brunson, who comes in at 23 and 8. 
and Dreykus Duplessis who comes in at a nice record of 18 and 2. Both guys stand 6-1. Derek Brunson, one inch reach advantage, 77 to 76. He's a southpaw. Duplessis can switch it up to both righty and lefty, and that's always a major advantage. He's also very active. 6.6 significant strikes per minute to 3.5 per minute for Derek Brunson. But also, both guys get a lot of takedowns, over one per round. So takedown defense will be important here. Derek Brunson, 89%. Duplessis, just 50%. And that's not a good number. But that's only because the only guy to take him down was uh, Darren Till. In his other fights, he had two KOs, so we really don't know too much uh, about the takedown defense for Duplessis, but we do know Derek Brunson uh, is at 89% solid, and this is over a long career. So he's going to defend takedowns and keep it standing. He's coming off the loss of Jared Cannonier, but before that, he'd be Darren Till, Kevin Holland, Edmund Shabazian, and Elias Theodoro. So he's won five of the last six total. You can throw an Ian Heinish in there. As well. Now, Duplessis is coming on fire, beating Marcus Perez to start, then Trevin Giles, then Brad Tavares, and finally Darren Till, who he beat by a, a neck crank submission. So, you know, this guy's looking good, man, with four wins in a row, but he's running into a very tough Derek Brunson. But what I do like uh, is the fact that he has a lot of activity if he can keep the fight standing, which is a big if. He doubles up. Derek Brunson just about in terms of a striking ability. So I'm going to say he's going to stop the takedowns. It's only a three-round fight. He might get taken down in one round, get control, but he'll win the other two to get the victory by close decision. But this will put him right in line potentially with being a top five caliber opponent. He's that good. Duplessis wins, in my opinion, to move to 19-2. and two. Middleweight division, UFC 285. In the weight division, the UFC 285, you got... Cody Garbrandt returning to the octagon. He comes in at 12 and 5, taking on Trevin Jones, who comes in at 13 and 9. Now, Cody Brandt, uh, Garbrandt, excuse me, stands one inch taller, but he gives up about four inches in a reach, which he does in most of his fights. He stands right handed, where Trevin Jones stands southpaw or left handed. Cody Garbrandt lands about 3.2 significant strikes per minute. Trevin Jones, not so much, kind of a slow paced fighter, 2.3. Significant strikes per minute. That's why he's got nine losses. Now, when it comes to takedowns, Cody Garbrandt gets like one every three rounds. Trevin Jones, not much to speak of. So, Cody, uh, Cody Garbrandt is favored in multiple areas in this fight, from the striking to the takedown ability. He's also got an 83% takedown defense. That's pretty good. But he's coming off losses to Kai Kara France and Rob Font. Before that, he beat Rafael Asuncao. Now, Trevin Jones, on the other hand, 66% takedown defense. It's not great, but it might be good enough uh, in this fight to at least keep the fight standing. He's coming off three losses in a row to Rayoni Barcelos, uh, Javid Basharat, and Kakramanov, who beat him by submission. So Trevin Jones has shown the ability to get fights to a decision, but he still loses. He's got a lot of losses, nine of them. And you know, against anybody else, I'm probably going against Cody Garbrandt. It's not like he's finished, but he's starting to slow down, in my opinion. But he's going to beat Trevin Jones. I mean, he's just simply the better fighter. He's got way more experience, and he beats guys that are better than Trevin Jones. So this should be an easy victory for Cody Garbrandt. But can he get the finish? That's what I want to know. Can he get the finish? It's hard to say. But at worst, he wins his fight 
by unanimous decision to move to 13 and 5. He's going to do it with the striking. He doesn't even need takedowns in this one. He just needs a striking. And he needs to land that one big punch like he did against a Sunsau. But he's going to win. In my opinion, Bantamweight Division, UFC 285. In the middleweight division at UFC 285, this fight goes down in the main card. You got the UFC debut of Bo Nickel, just 3-0, taking on veteran Jamie Pickett, who comes in at 13-8. and So let's get right to it. Pickett, one inch taller at 6-2. He's got a four-inch reach advantage, 80-76. to Now, Bo Nickel is a left-hander, southpaw. Uh, Pickett stands right-handed. So far, Bo Nichols landed about 3.7 significant strikes per minute, or Jamie Pickett over a longer span, longer career, right? 3.3 significant strikes per minute. But Bo Nichols has a ridiculous uh, 24 takedown average. So 24 takedowns over three rounds. So that's eight takedowns a round. Uh, of course, this is in limited action, so that number is going to come way down. But the reality is, is this guy likes to shoot for takedowns. Jamie Pickett lands like a takedown every other round. Bo Nickel hasn't even had to defend the takedown position yet or takedowns yet because he's constantly going for takedowns. Against Donovan Beard, he had five takedowns uh, in the first round. Ended up getting the submission victory against Zachary Badego. Uh He also had a submission about one minute in. So he's had limited action. Both fights going down at Dana White's contender series. He went in on the first fight. Dominated uh, Badego. And then Dana White says, hey, you got to come back and fight again. He comes back and dominates again. And both of his opponents got homzotted, meaning they got zeros across the board. So in total, he has uh, seven significant strikes, three takedowns, and three submission attempts. And he's gotten two of those submissions. So the fights haven't lasted very long at all. Now, Jamie Pickett. Uh, 65% takedown defense. That's going to be a problem. Lost his last fight to Tulian uh, by KO. For that, Kyle Dawkins submission. He did beat Joseph Holmes and Loriano Staropoli by decision. So the thing with Jamie Pickett is he's a decent middleweight. Not great, not terrible, but a good first fight for Bo Nickel, who is number 19 on our dude list. So he's coming, in our opinion. So you already know. I think this is going to be an easy fight for him. Will he Hamza? Uh, Jamie Pickett, I don't know. Meaning, will he hold him to all zeros? I don't know. I'm sure Jamie Pickett will get a couple strikes in, but Bo Nichols should come in and dominate this fight easy and get a submission victory in the process. But he might be a little nervous, so we'll see how it plays out. But either way, he's winning. He'll move to 4-0 here in the middleweight division at UFC 285. In the lightweight division at UFC 285, you got Matush Gamrot taking this fight on late notice. He comes in at 21-2, and two, taking on Jalen Turner, a guy who's on a five-fight win streak, uh, and his record is 13-5. and five. So let's get into this because this is going to be a very difficult and conflicting prediction for me. Now, Jalen Turner, five inches taller. He's got about a six-inch reach advantage. He doubles up the uh, inactivity over at Gamrot in terms of significant strikes. He lands about 6.5 per minute rapid pace compared to 3.3 for Matush Gamrot. But Gamrot has a good opportunity to stifle Turner because of his takedown game. That can limit the activity, right? So Gamrot uh, lands about 4.7 takedowns over the course of three rounds, which is nearly uh, two per round, at least one 
per round. Jalen Turner gets about a takedown every three rounds, but against Gamrot, it's probably going to be difficult to do because Gamrot has a 90% takedown defense. He was on a a four-fight win streak beating Armand Sarukian, Diego Ferreira, Jeremy Stevens, but he lost the last fight against Benil Dariush, who's one of the better fighters in the division and is fighting Charles Oliveira in the near future, former champion. Now, Jalen Turner, a.k.a. the Tarantula, not bad takedown defense, 77%. That'll give him a chance because this whole fight comes down to whether Jalen Turner can defend the takedowns. If he does, he's going to win the fight. He's coming off wins against Brad Riddell, Jamie Malarkey, Euros Medic, Brock Weaver, and Josh Kulabayo. Now, what's interesting here is you're looking at a guy uh, that's 27 years old, going on 28 in May. He's hitting that peak point of his career. So forget the 13-5 and record. If you look at that, you're going to think Jalen Turner is going to lose this fight. And normally, if you ask me, I would always tell you Matush Gamrot's going to beat anybody. He's one of my guys. He was on a do list for a while. He's 21-2. and two. Forget about it. But there's something about these fighters like a Charles Oliveira who comes into the UFC and goes 11-8 and eight and then hits on an 11-fight win streak. Jalen Turner is that guy. He's that next guy in the lightweight division. I'm not going to go as far as say he's going to win the title like I did with Charles Oliveira when he was number 13, and that's only because Islam Mahachev is that good. But this is a guy that's going to make a run and potentially get to a title fight, and who knows what happens when he gets there. I think he wins this fight. This is going to be shocking to people. It's a 7 versus 10 matchup, but I think Jalen Turner does get taken down once or twice, but he defends a takedown well enough. He wins two out of three rounds. One round will be very close. Don't be surprised by a split decision. But I think Jalen Turner fights his butt off and sneaks this one out in a huge win to get him in the top uh, six or seven in the division. He'll win by decision. Don't miss this fight. He'll move to 14-5. and Matush Gamrat will fall to 21-3 and three here in the best division in the UFC, the lightweight division at UFC. 285. In the welterweight division, UFC 285, you got a big one here. Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Neal 15 and 4. Rachmanov, the rising contender, 16 and 0. And you can see by his record why there's a lot of hype around this guy. He's two inches taller at 6'1. He's got a two inch reach advantage, 77 to 75. Rachmanov stands right handed. Jeff Neal stands left handed. He's a southpaw. Now, Neil is more active, 5.3 significant strikes per minute compared to 2.5 for Rachmanov, but the difference here is the ground game. Rachmanov lands about 2.3 takedowns over the course of three rounds, or nearly one takedown per round. Jeff Neal, not so much. So another big uh, factor here is takedown defense. Jeff Neal, 85% takedown defense, and we'll see if that stands up in this fight. Now, he's coming off impressive wins against Vicente Luque, KO third round. Santiago Ponzinibbio, split decision. He did lose a Neil Magny and Stephen Thompson prior to that. Now, Rachmanov, 100% takedown defense. So he's not getting taken down. The key is he's got to get takedowns. He had two against Neil Magny in a, a win by submission in the second round. He also beat Carlson Harris by KO. Uh, Michael Prezeris, submission. Alex Cowboy Oliveira, submission. So he's beaten some good fighters. And the sky is a limit for Rachmanov. So this is an easy one for me. I'm a little bit worried about the activity from Jeff Neal. But uh, what makes me okay with this prediction in which we like Rachmanov to win is the takedown game. 85% takedown defense from Jeff Neal. But Rachmanov will 
work right through that. Likely, in my opinion, get a submission victory in the third round. It'll take some time, but he'll win, in my opinion, and move to 17-0 here in the welterweight division at UFC 285. In the women's flyweight division for the women's flyweight division title at UFC 285, you got longtime champion Valentina Shevchenko, 23-3, taking on rising contender Alexa Grasso, who comes in at 15-3. Both fighters 5-5, both fighters 66-inch reach, Grasso. Stands right-handed. Shevchenko, you know, is a southpaw. She stands left-handed. Now, activity goes to Grasso. 5.1 significant strikes per minute compared to 3.2 for Shevchenko. But the difference here is the takedown game. Shevchenko lands nearly one takedown per round. Grasso, not much to speak of. Now, Shevchenko uh, had a tough fight against Tyler Santos. She won that by split decision. But if you think she's slowing down, look at the previous two fights. She beat Lauren Murphy by fourth-round KO. Jessica Andrade, second round KO. So she's still dominant despite the tough fight against Santos in her last outing. Grasso, 64% takedown defense. That'll probably drop to below 50% in this fight. Uh, she's coming off wins over Vivian Araujo. Decision, Joanne Calderwood, a.k.a. Joanne Wood, by rear naked submission. She also beat Macy Barber and Ji Yeon Kim by decision to get to this point. But let me just tell you, this fight... Shouldn't even be close. Shevchenko is the better fighter. I think sometimes now we're seeing that Shevchenko is, is fighting not to lose instead of trying to win. She should have beat Tyler Santos much easier. But when you're fighting that way, and you can't blame her. I mean, when you've been a longtime champion, the last thing you want to do is lose the belt. And sometimes you fight not to lose instead of trying to win. But Shevchenko will win this one and win it easily. I believe she gets the finish here by third or fourth round. Submission over Alexa Grasso to keep the title, move to 24-3, and three, in my opinion. Women's flyweight division, UFC 285. In the heavyweight division four, the heavyweight division vacant belt. Can't believe this one. Cyril Gaon will take on John Jones at UFC 285. Francis Ngannou has been released, and that leads us uh, to the vacant belt situation. So now we got two divisions with a vacant belt. And let's get into this one. Both guys stand at 6 feet 4 inches. Of course, this will be a heavyweight division fight. Who knows what John Jones will come at in at weight-wise. But Jones has an 84-inch reach. Cyril Gaon, 81-inch reach. And these both these guys have uh, a big reach. I mean, 84 and 81, two guys above 80. It's crazy. Both guys will fight right-handed. Cyril uh, Gaon lands about 5.1 significant strikes per minute. John Jones, 4.3. Uh, John Jones will land like two takedowns every three rounds normally, but now he's in a heavyweight, so we'll see. Cyril Gaon uh, isn't really trying to get takedowns. He's going to try to stand up and uh, break you down. Cyril Gaon, 55% takedown defense. John Jones, 95% takedown defense. And think about all the fights he's had. One of the best uh, takedown defense percentages in the UFC that you'll ever see. 95% after as many fights as he had. It's, it's crazy. Now, we haven't seen John Jones in a while, so hold off on him. Cyril Gan won his last fight against Tai Tuivasa, third round knockout. Lost to Nganu by decision uh, for the heavyweight title. Now, it's interesting in that fight because Gan led by 20 significant strikes. Very slow-paced fight, 63-43, but gave up four takedowns uh, via Francis Ngannou, who had the knee problem in that fight. So he went with the takedown game, and it worked. 
thankfully for him. Now, prior to that, he KO'd Derek Lewis, beat Volkov, Rosenstrike, you know, and did what he had to do, putting him in this position. He's only lost one fight. He's 11-1, and that was to Francis and Ghana. Now, John Jones, virtually undefeated, right? He had a, uh, one fight he lost. It was a disqualification. Other than that, he hasn't lost. In his last four fights, he beat Dominic Reyes by decision, Thiago Santos split decision, Anthony Smith, Alexander Gustafsson, who he KO'd out, uh, he KO'd, I'm sorry, in terms of Gustafsson. So, but he had a lot of decisions in the light heavyweight division. Now we haven't seen him, right, since February 8, 2020. And you think about that, it'll be over three years since he's been in the octagon. So who knows what John Jones we're getting. He's going to be beefed up. He's going to look totally different. Will he be slower? I'm sure. But... The stylistic matchup in this type of fight is probably better than the Ngannou fight because both of these guys have similar styles. I mean, they're going to they're going to try to get in there and strike. It's going to be a lot of boxing, some kicking going on, things like that. You probably won't see a lot of takedowns, a lot of fundamental work on the feet is going to be at display, and they match up very well, very very well. And you know, I, I'm going to be watching this fight, rooting for John Jones. I think John Jones can win this fight I just it's hard to say after three years of not seeing him but it also means that his body is refreshed right he's been working out putting on all types of muscle getting used to that body weight and you know it's going to be tough to come in and just fight the number one contender in the world in Cyril Ghan who's a worthy opponent and very easily could be heavyweight champion in his own right but with the break with all the work that John Jones as I'm putting in, I'm saying he's going to come in and get the win here. I mean, he's one of the best fighters in UFC and MMA history, right? So I expect him not to let us down and get the win here, likely by decision, though. It's going to be one of those fights, and it'll come down to the fifth round. That's how close it'll be. But who moved to 27-1 and one here in the heavyweight division and will win the heavyweight title? Think about that. Two-belt champ, uh, you know, over the course of his career, which would be huge. So this fight goes down at UFC. 